Hey, Hi, Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> that was not planned dear listener that was not at all planned uh, we were both trying to shut the other one out <laughs> well yeah rachel jones is here again hello 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 we're in studio north studio south and studio midwest uh we've we're coming to you from all kinds of places uh it's been a while since we've had rachel yeah, on the show yes. so welcome back uh <laughs> It doesn't feel like it, but yeah, I, yeah. Ages yeah. and ages. Yeah, it, ha- it has. It's been a while since Rachel's <laughs> been on a, a show that uh, went public. Yeah, uh, that made it Rachel's always air. on secret shows <laughs> that just go in the vault. <laughs> so anyway, here is my question: uh, Have you all heard about how like groups of animals are named super weird things? Yes. Yes. I know where so this there's like is a going. murder of crows um, and things like that. So here's here's what I I here I'm gonna give you a couple. I'm gonna give you three of them. One of them is going to be fake. I want you to figure out Ooh. which is the fake one. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. So we've got a cauldron of bats, a shrewdness of apes, and an allegiance of alligators. Again, that was a cauldron <laughs> of bats. <laughs> A shrewdness of apes and an allegiance of alligators. Which of those is fake? Are we working through this together, Rachel and I, or is this this sure. individual competition? Yeah. For the room. I'm, For the room. I'm I'm fine with it being collaborative. I feel really okay about Cauldron of Bats. I feel like I I've seen too. that somewhere. <laughs> really? Yeah. I also I feel like that's something that Tyler would not have given us like as a fake one. Like it has obvious. to be real because it's too weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't it's think too it's too weird? Go... <laughs> it, it is pretty obvious that that would be the wrong one. <laughs> I I am leaning in the direction of saying shrewdness of apes is wrong, but I could be I could be convinced otherwise. I shrewdness of apes was my first instinct too because I could also see somebody being really into the alliteration of allegiance of alligators. Um, yeah. Like. Yeah. But that's also a good reason to, to think that's the fake one. I know. Because cause... it sounds so fake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am going I'm going B final answer. It's a shrewdness of the B final answer, shrewdness of I will t- here yeah. are the, the correct names. Okay. The correct one is a cauldron of bats. Yep. yep. Which is insane because cauldron is not even uh, the name of a group. Like most of these are groups. This is that's just an object. Is it a cauldron full of bats? What? I... Bats, okay, witches, of bats. You can see how they got there. And when did these names come about? That's my question. Are these two hundred <laughs> years old? Are they the last thirty years? Just like people bored and be like, I don't know if we named what emus are yet. Let's name what emus. Okay, a shrewdness of apes is correct. That is a real thing. Oh my god. Oh my god. So you all are incorrect, and it is a congregation of alligators. Oh. Just like the Presbyterians. Yep. Uh, here's a couple other uh, weird ones. Um, an obstinacy of buffalo. That might be my favorite one. That's good. An obstinacy of buffalo. Uh, a clouder, clutter, pounce. There's so many for mm-hmm. cats. These are all cats. A clouder. That's C-L-O-W-D-E-R. I don't even know what that means. It's like clam chowder. Just all the portmanteau of clam chowder is clouder. That's what you order at the store <laughs> if you're in a hurry. Uh, so a clouder, a clutter, a pounce, a doubt, D-O-U-T, 
a nuisance, <laughs> a glorying, or a glare of cats. An army of caterpillars, which I've seen before in real <laughs> life, and it's terrifying. It's not good. Uh, or a caravan of camels. So the, again, the the classic one is a murder of crows, and one of my favorite just general memes is when you see two crows on the lawn and someone says an attempted murder, <laughs> which I think is very funny. Um, a pace of donkeys. Oh, here's a good one. A business of ferrets. That sounds like the name of a of a of a really pretentious novel. Um, a leash of fox. A horde of gerbils. A tower of giraffes. A bloat of hippopotamus. This is, they're making fun of us. Now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a parliament of owls. That's a good one. A parliament of owls. A prickle of porcupines. That's just a uh, tongue twister. And a nursery of raccoons. Yeah. Ooh, a mischief of rats. I, I remember that one too. Yeah, the internet's a fun place. It's, it's funny because this list, I remember once when I was an undergrad, my friends and I looked through it because we were trying to come up with a name for us ourselves besides like squad because you know that's the very yeah. conventional name that people my age will call their friend group um and so we the the cat one was the one that we were like clouder. lingering over where one of my friends really wanted us to be called a clouder yeah and then everyone else wanted to be called a pounce um <laughs> yeah, that's and, a good one too. and we spent like genuinely a year arguing over what our squad would be called um and each time we referred to it the person who like preferred a certain name would just use that one as though it was the one that we had decided <laughs> upon um but we never actually reached a consensus shrewdness would have been pretty good a yeah. shrewdness is a, shrewdness. that's a good group name let's I agree. get the whole shrewd let's get the shrewdness <laughs> also clouder sounds like uh some uh like what David Crowder band fans would call themselves. Yeah. <laughs> we are the Clouders. Crowder Crowder. Yeah. Crowder Clouder. <laughs> so does it name how many of any particular thing must be present for this to, to qualify? Is no, like because this is all made up and, and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> There's no like minimum, uh, you know, like I think it's I think it's like more than four, but I don't know. I'm sure if I did any rudimentary looking, I could find <laughs> answers for you, but I'm not going Even to. Even right the now. barest amount of research might, you know. A cackle, a cackle of hyenas. <laughs> Ooh, a richness of martins. Oh. Anyway. Fun we, and informative it. here on the Rough and Yeah, <laughs> And very connected to what we're talking about today, which is Animal Crossing. Yeah, so, I get it. I'm Tyler. I'm Jay. And I'm Rachel. And this is Rough, Rough and the Pastor. So we're talking about the theology of Animal Crossing. And especially uh, a month and a half ago, when we first started talking about this, it was uh, even more in the zeitgeist than it is now because we were still coming off the heels of so many people diving into this thing during quarantine. It became the um, uh, 
it became the safe space for many people yeah. as they were they're stuck because it really dovetailed. It came out. What do you remember? What day it, it was released? I feel like it was March twenty something. Yeah, it was within yeah. a week of quarantine. I mean, it yeah. was really, really, really close. And I think for uh, for most of us, uh, March fifteenth was the first Sunday that we we straight up skipped. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't know that until for for my church, we didn't know it until the Saturday uh, before, or maybe the Friday before. It was really close. It was a Friday the thirteenth. My kids remember that. That's the last day they had school, and um, <laughs> and then we went into it, and suddenly we like we weren't having it this one week, and when we didn't know how long this was going to last. And I think by the time it it became clear that this was going to last at least for a month, Animal Crossing came out. And everybody went crazy for it. And yeah. it became impossible to be able to buy a Switch. Like, that's how... <laughs> I, I do appreciate that the Nintendo people never tried to gouge the price. If you went to the Nintendo site, it always said a Switch is two ninety nine, dollars yeah. um, And you could go on eBay and buy them for $1,000. And they would say, you can buy one right now. Who knows when you'll get it. But uh, we'll still sell it to you for two ninety nine. dollars um, So, uh, Rachel, can you explain what Animal Crossing is? Sure. So Animal Crossing is a Nintendo game. There have been a couple of versions. I think the first one came out in like the 90s even. Like it's been around for a while. Oh yeah? And the whole gimmick... Yeah, what system was the first one on? Do you know? Uh, GameCube. GameCube? Okay. GameCube. Um, and so the whole gimmick is that you play a little character, a little person, um, who comes to a new town or a new island, depending on the game. And you're in charge of this little town that you start, like, creating. And you have villagers who are at various kinds of animals. So that's where the animal part comes from, uh, is the animals who live on your island. Um, and you you just develop the island. You develop the agriculture by planting fruits and trees. You uh, collect things like fish and bugs. And you give them to a museum that your island has. Um, and you go shopping and design your little space to make it very personal to your own preferred look. Um, and it is a it can be a huge time suck if you let it, um, or it can be something that you just you know dabble in as much as you feel like. Um, which is why it's partially why it's so popular because it you know is amenable to so many different kinds of playing styles and it also it, it sounds like the, from that description and even from the pictures it really sounds like a, a game for little kids yeah but it's not really mm-hmm. i mean it's it's accessible to kids but it, there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff going on yeah it, it what's the difference then between you know as somebody who has struggled on multiple occasions to keep pet fish alive <laughs> <laughs> What is the difference between this and chores? Like, how is this therapeutic if it's something you have to, like, tend to and care for and mm-hmm. can become a, a time suck? What, what, as the uninitiated, what is the, the therapeutic of it? I mean, so it's interesting you ask it that way because a lot of people more recently have been talking about how it has started to feel like chores for mm. them. Um, where the because of our particular experience of it coming out during the pandemic and a lot of people playing it so much, um, it has essentially substituted a lot of the obligations that they would have had otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. Where if if it had not come out in these circumstances, the, the usual way that someone might experience it um, is that they'll play for like half an hour every day. 
Um, and so it's a lot easier for it to just be something where like, oh, you're always discovering new things. You always have new fish to catch or bugs to catch. You always have these things to do. Um, right. Whereas like, yeah, if you let it like the way that people have been playing it during the pandemic, some people do feel like it's become chores because at this point there's nothing new and exciting happening um for some people to that point once you kind of establish stuff it gets it's almost like checking your email Hmm. Uh, like if you think of like playing 30 minutes a a day could sound like a chore but if you think of just checking your email just going through the tasks um you can go in and just kind of do the maintenance of your town uh once a day in 30 minutes and it's pretty refreshing uh, the game doesn't yell at you if you miss days, so it's not. It doesn't pressure you into playing every day, but it just rewards you for playing every right. day. So I won't like kill my pretend trees or anything like that. Yeah. No. And if you if you show up like after a year of not playing the game, your villagers will be like, "Oh, it's so exciting to see you! Like we've missed you. Um, your your island might be covered in weeds, and your house will have bugs in it that you'll have to kill." But that's as far as it goes in terms of consequences. Um, and so I think, sure, to some people it might feel like chores, but to other people it can be like a really nice, consistent thing that you can return to. Um, and you can go in and know that, like, sure, maybe you have responsibilities, but are they really responsibilities in the same way that we, for the most part, have responsibilities, I guess? Well, that's, you know, this is something you said in there, too, that, like, people are missing the day-to-day normal stuff during mm-hmm. quarantine like i know routine is such a huge part of what it is to be human and like yeah as as a pastor trying to reopen a church it, it, it everybody's move is to let's get back to normal whatever normal yep. looks like for people so it's interesting that that's kind of a piece of what that's creating for people is a new sense of normal without having to leave the house yeah absolutely i think you hit it there too jay that it really is um in in this situation where we really have no control which is one of the more frustrating things to most people is that we don't we don't have any control over the situation even when we do the right thing there are people who are getting away with doing the wrong thing mm-hmm. or not getting away with it mm-hmm. uh and that, that for many people who have done nothing during this quarantine who have just stayed inside it's incredibly frustrating to see all of that work seem to um, be thwarted by people who just don't care. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, in, in the midst of the reality of of our lack of control over the world, which is actually probably more true than our normal scenario, <laughs> um, the wonderful thing about something like Animal Crossing is that you do have a sense of control. Yeah. Uh, you, you you're not completely in control of it. It's not just um, some. And like there are limits to how much you can do each day. Uh, things only move so fast. You do constantly have to pay off bills. So until you set yourself <laughs> up a system that you have enough money trees that you can just rake in dollars hand over fist, um, it does slow you down. But it's um, there is a sense of order and control within this game that is not overwhelming but encouraging that during a time of complete uncertainty and upheaval and chaos... Uh, it's incredibly therapeutic. It's like those Zen gardens. Yeah. Have you ever heard, seen those Zen yeah. gardens? So it's just like a little box of sand with a tiny little rake that looks like a wooden fork that you just make lines in. Yeah. And they, I mean, they're full-sized ones too, but for most people, it's just like a, a little thing about the size of a dish that you can just 
kind of play with sand uh, very, very slowly. And it's, it's contemplative and meditative and um, Animal Crossing in a lot of ways kind of feels like that. Does it become Rachel? I mean, again, we, we said this on the, on the first draft of this episode that I don't have a switch though. If my wife's listening, you know, open to discussion further on down the line. <laughs> Especially if someone like did something awesome recently and like deserves a like congratulations present. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. I think I've cashed in on like eight congratulations presents so far. <laughs> so like talking yeah. to whoever, whoever. If, if you really miss Jay, if you really uh, like if he meant a lot to you over the last 12 years that he's been at the church, you want to tell him thank you. Great well, way to do it is mailing addresses. Yeah. 50, yeah. <laughs> Just crowdfund a Nintendo Switch for Jay, please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just everyone chip in $5 and you'll get a Switch in, in a week. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but to that point of like, is it more for you, and maybe for other people too, but is it more distraction? Is it more mindfulness, meditation kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Where, do you, where do you go with the game when you play it? I mean, it depends on the mindset that I go into it with. Um, where there definitely have there have been times during these past couple of months where I have absolutely used it as just an excuse to not do something else. Mm. Um, and see that I can get behind hundred percent. <laughs> and and very often I can actually feel when I walk away from the game that day. I, I can feel that it wasn't as productive and comforting to me as I wanted it to be going into it, as opposed to times where it was more of a mindfulness thing. Um, of going in and just like trying intentionally to spend time in in a more quiet space. One of the interesting things too, uh, particularly about this game, um, I think when we did the when we recorded this last, I had played the game for like three days, like it, we had just gotten it. Um, so I, I hadn't done much. We were still in the early experience of the game. And one of the interesting things about this game. It was frustrating at first, but it's been really interesting from our standpoint is that if you have one switch, it will let you have one island. Mm. Um, meaning that no matter how many people are playing on that particular switch, you all share the same island. Now, if you are the only person who uses the switch, you get the entire album or uh, island and all its resources to yourself. Each player can like has their own player, but you just have different residents of the island. So I'm playing this with my three kids. Uh, we each there, and there was great frustration that first day when uh, the first kid logged in, named the island something that he thought was hilarious. And then my daughter logged in, she got real mad that she couldn't have her own island and that it was named something really silly. Um, and then we all had to sit down and agree, like what's the, cause you could change the name. So we had to agree what would be the best name. And they came up with Gallifrey, which is from Doctor Who all on their own, which I thought was great. Uh, That's I a really proud parent be, moment. I know. I was really pushing for uh, uh, like Atari Springs or something like that, or Atari <laughs> Station. <laughs> something like Tashi Station would have been a good one. I should have done that. <laughs> uh, but Gallifrey was also really good. So that, that's that's what we are. Um, and uh, for us, it's been really interesting. And particularly, um, we have to play with the mindset that other people are playing. So each of us will jump on. Uh, almost almost every day, each of us will jump on for, for 30 minutes. Um, but if if the first person gets on and harvests all the all the fruit from all the trees, there's no more fruit for the whole day. Like it's it is it operates like it like it's its own island. And so and 
you do get to a point later where you can plant bags of money and they grow into money trees. And so if someone just goes and clears out all the money, whoever gets in there first, then that's it. So whenever there are resources, the resources are limited to a degree. So we've had to find a way to play um, in a way that complemented each other, which has been incredible. I can't believe how well it's worked. I never would have got, had I known that they, <laughs> you can only have one island, I might not even have gotten the game. Because <laughs> I think I was just like, no, this will cause problems. But um, for us, it's been a really good exercise in relationships. And so many other games will teach you different skills. Like, um, at the very least, you can say, like, the shooting games will teach you, like, hand-eye coordination and how to be sneaky and, like, problem-solving <laughs> uh, or just how to be de- come desensitized to violence. Uh, but uh, And then, uh, like, Tetris will teach you, like, uh, kind of uh, object permanence and, and per- perception of space and stuff like that. Uh, so there is, I, I do think that the video games overall um, can be really, really positive. But one of the interesting things about this game in particular is that it does teach you to be relational. Mm-hmm. That the way you succeed in this game is by paying attention to your neighbors. Mm-hmm. That the more that you talk to them, the more, and it's really subtle too. Like there's one character, Sable, in this. So there's a clothing <gasps> store yes. owned by Mabel. And her sister, her twin sister, Sable, and they have a, they're apparently triplets because there's another one named Label, <laughs> who comes and, and gives you fashion stuff. But uh, Sable is always working in the back making clothes, and Mabel is like the owner of the store. And so when you go in, Mabel's talking to you. She's like, "Hey, there's all these things if you want to buy them." And Sable's back there sewing. And if you go and try to talk to Sable, she will say, "I don't want to talk." Talk to talk to Mabel, and then she'll be like, oh, "Maybe come help me." And then Mabel will be like, oh, "Don't talk to her. You can, if you have questions, you can ask me." And that will happen every day until like the fourth day in a row that you try to talk to her Hmm. and then she'll become your friend but the game like the normal thing the normal kind of boundaries of the game seem to be oh they they don't want you to talk to this character like this Mm -hmm. is that's only written up to that point but if you persist in trying to build relationships eventually she'll become your friend and you'll get some stuff from that yeah um and I think in that sense, so not only has it taught us by having to work on this same island, we have a relationship about this island. And my, my kids and I kind of have conversations about uh, Animal Crossing outside. Right before this, uh, my daughter came down and told me she caught a Napoleon fish. Hey. And how it's, it's really, yeah, she, she plays New Leaf, which is on the DS. And she's like, I only caught a Napoleon fish once. And she was going to sell it because it's worth 15,000 bells, which is what the money's called. Put it but in the museum. Like, no, I think I'm going to put it in the museum because you don't yeah. ever catch these very much. And like that kind of level of selflessness, like she needs the money because she's got bills to pay. <laughs> but uh, because all these kids do is buy stuff. That, that's the other thing. So you can buy a lot of clothes and things like that, or you can pay off your mortgage. And <laughs> uh, it's funny watching the different levels of... Uh, responsibility that each of them have. My oldest is irresponsible, buys everything that he can find. Uh, my youngest is very focused on buying all the KK Slider songs because there's it within the game, there's a dog named KK Slider who writes all the music. And uh, every day you can buy a new, uh, basically a new single by him. And uh, my youngest son is, is quite the collector. So he has... <laughs> Wonder uh, where he gets probably, that from. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's got all the KK Slider slugs, and so I'll go to his house and just listen to all of them. I got like three, um, but my uh, my daughter is then kind of the gardener. She's like she'll go around and collect all the weeds and stuff like that. But um, even even that in in catching this fish that is rare, 
you can put it in the museum, which gives you no money. It, but but the whole idea of the museum is it's almost like the Pokemon idea of you like you got to catch all the animals that are available, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and some of them are very rare. And she caught this rare fish that was worth a lot of money, and she, on her own volition, said, "You know what? I think I'm going to put it in the museum," which helps nobody. Like it really. It, other than it just benefits the community, it um, it doesn't help her in the game, um, but it's still something that that's pretty selfless. I, I, as a father, I'm very proud of my daughter for giving <laughs> away this video game item to to accomplish something that's meaningless. Uh, it, it, so, like, I think that that's one of the beauties of this game is that it does teach uh, not just relationships but empathy to a degree. Well, I was going to ask. You I mean, need to consider other people. Rachel, as someone who plays solo, is are those lessons something that you experience in the game versus having a whole family on one island? Or so I will say that I I have actually started using the the fact that you only have one island per switch to my advantage, where I have created multiple houses now hmm. um, that I've then designed as other features of my island. Mm-hmm. Um, where I have a hotel, and then the other day I also created a theater um, in their own separate houses. Um, but I like in that process, I have still had to like do the thing of like sharing things across the different profiles, right. um, figure out what resources I want to go to which houses, um, figure out whether I want to you know spend money getting clothes and stuff for the normal account that I usually play on or whether I want to like build up this this island community that I'm trying to create for myself um so it is like there's a different kind of community that happens on my island but I still am kind of thinking in terms of like oh I want to create a look of this community that's really thriving um and and create these these things for this island beyond just like my own profile but for me in general i would say like my interconnected with other people comes more with me playing with my friends and like us sharing resources with each other um where like one of my friends came to my island the other day and there was a sixty thousand bell computer in my store that they couldn't buy so i was like oh I have like 2 million bells in my bank. I can give you 60,000 <laughs> bells for that. Like, sure. <laughs> Why not? Um, so like there, even if you're playing on a switch by yourself, there are various ways that you are probably prioritizing, not just yourself as you're playing. If you're doing any sort of communal playing at all. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, well, and that's, you had, you had said that the zeitgeist of this is kind of past. And I think, that points to one of my two questions and I could see it going either way like when it, when you figure that this kind of came of and I don't know the game has been around for forever but like it really caught fire during the COVID lockdown mm-hmm. was it just that it came out at the right time or that it was that return to sense of normalcy or I mean were we in a season where looking out for each other mattered a great deal and the game kind of mm-hmm. reinforced it or was it all three or was it none of it you know like Obviously, there are choices there, but it feels like that was the right combination of things for that season of life. They're probably still the right combination of things, and we should probably still be doing stuff like that. We just decided we were done and we moved on. Um. <laughs> I think I think God knew we needed 
we needed Animal Crossing right at that moment. Yeah. And, it, and it came out then. Just like God knew we needed Hamilton and bumped oh. out of the year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, the other thing that... God works for Disney really, now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, Disney works for God. Oh, God. Oh. God. Often, in spite, often in spite of themselves. <laughs> but, but still, uh, like much of us. Uh, the... The the one thing that the Rachel mentioned in there, I'm not sure if we said it clearly, but you there is you can play with other people. Uh, you can oh, yeah. there's a feature in the game that you can fly. You can there's a there's an airline on your island, and you can fly to other people's islands, and you can do that in real life. So yeah. you fly um, via the internet to someone else's island, and the beautiful thing is that. Um, in, in it, you can modify it a bit so that you can talk to each other, but in the normal kind of metric of the game, you just show up and you you are playing together, but you can't hear each other because mm. yeah. in the game itself you don't really talk. There's a gibberish talk that they do, but you don't you don't talk to people. Uh, like it's not like do, the Xbox like, with the headset thing and yeah, no, 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 yeah, it's not like that. So um, you'll go to a friend's house, uh, a friend's island, and it's super exciting, and and it's it's. To me, one of the most hilarious and delightful parts about it is that you can't talk. <laughs> uh, and you, so I visited two different islands. I visited my friend Lori's island and I visited my friend Rachel's island and it was super fun. And in both cases, both of them had been playing the game for three months longer than I had, yep. uh, which at that point was like 80 hours more than I had played. <laughs> uh, and so both of them had, uh, like Rachel just said with the computer thing where they just have an abundance of resources and I was still just starting out. And so you show up and people kind of learn this, that you just make a pile of stuff that you don't need for when people visit your your mm-hmm. your island. So I show up at Rachel's place and there's just like this little cordoned off place with a, just a bunch of junk on the ground. It was just like wonderful stuff. But to Rachel, like I already have all this stuff, so take whatever you want. Yeah. And and yet we're not talking, so she's just like communicating that with her little animated uh, <laughs> thing, just like making all these uh, like shaking her arms around and spinning in circles. And um, <laughs> there's something that's just and the the characters. Everyone is animals except for you. So all of the players yeah. are actual humans, but they're like little kids. Mm. Um, it's the animation style is very specific um, and very sweet. Uh, and just going to visit someone else's island is really fun. Like it was really neat. Just like on one level, like all these buildings and stuff, they don't do anything. They don't really mean anything. It's not like if you build a hotel, different things will happen. I mean, maybe they will, but no, it's just kind of cool. It's like playing with blocks. Like it's it's at the at its base level. It's imagining together. Mm-hmm. And uh, my daughter is still, thankfully, at a at an age that she still plays like pretend with her friend. And Aww. one of the things during the pandemic is she will zoom. Um, with a friend who's a year older than her, so they're in going into fifth and going into fourth grade. But but so they wouldn't do this at school. But on their own devices, they have these calico critters, which are like Sylvanian families. These little mm-hmm. like almost like Animal Crossing, but in real life. And they'll just play with them, and mm-hmm. they'll just set up in front of the Zoom and make up stories between the two of them and talk about it. And there's something that's so beautiful about that that we kind of are taught away from. And whenever I'm playing Animal Crossing and visit somebody else's island, that's what it feels like. That we're mm-hmm. like, I'm so excited to see all this stuff that is built and like to marvel at the crazy wallpaper that's there. Um, I think I can't remember if it was it, maybe it was at both, but uh, both islands had different instruments set up, and so we just mm-hmm. played instruments for a while, which you just bang on the keys and then it plays a song. Like mm-hmm. that that kind of stuff is just so there's joy in it like I, I think that that's that's what i loved about it and even when you're playing by yourself 
the computer is constantly bringing people to the island. So mm. bringing the computer care. So the animals are coming. Right. And you do need to relate to the animals. So even if you never interacted with another living person, the game itself is about interactions with people. It's not just build up your own house because in order to get the resources that you need, you have to get people to come to the island. In order to get people to come to the island, you have to be their friend and invite them to the island and all kinds of things like that. So it does encourage this level of not just using people to for your own means, but doing things to benefit the greater good uh, in a way that's so subtle that um, you don't even realize you're doing it. You just kind of naturally realize like, oh, if I'm nicer to people, things will work out better. I'll advance in the game. I, <laughs> I just thought of another cool thing about the, the various animal villagers too, um, where uh, in terms of thinking more about the, the community relationships and stuff like that, um, is that the different animals have different personalities as well. Yeah, very um, much so. Where th there are four different personality types for the male characters and four different personality types for the female characters. And the way that they like interact with each other and with you is different based on what their personality types are, um, where they're, some of them are more likely to get along with others. Some of them are more likely to like disagree with certain types. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's very much like there are parts where you maybe have to mediate an argument between two characters. Um, oh man! And and like if you will ever walk up to two villagers who are interacting with each other, they'll have a conversation that they might ask for your input on, something like that. So like, even even if you're not interacting with people, the way that you interact with those villagers really does affect how they deal with each other and how they deal with you in a really meaningful do, way. Do all the islands start with the same two? All the islands start with one female character that's a certain type and one male character that's a certain type or the male character who did you start with i started with billy and hazel oh i i don't even think i've met those two yet i started yeah. with uh, we might have hazel is hazel a hippo no what's hazel? no hazel's a squirrel yeah we don't have hazel yet we started with mina and teddy oh and Teddy's like all into exercise and Mina is like uh, a hipster who does not want to talk to people. Yeah. And so I've, I've made it, it's been real interesting, like where Teddy's real outgoing and real sure of himself. And so I don't really, I didn't make a point of this intentionally. I just realized naturally that I kind of left Teddy to his own devices because he seemed pretty happy with himself. And <laughs> Mina was always like off by herself and like aloof. But then the more you talk to her, the more she would come out of her shell. So I just was drawn towards Mina. Mm -hmm. And I, every time I play the game, there's a, like a couple things I do. Like I will go kind of check the day, the basic tasks. I'll try to catch a fish and then I'll go try to find Mina, even though there's mm -hmm. like 10 other villagers on the island right now. <laughs> try to interact with Mina just to be, because I feel like I've become her friend and she doesn't really have a whole lot of friends on the island, Aww. which is such an interest. Like I didn't realize I was doing that, like, but I was just naturally gravitating towards like, this person doesn't have someone to ride on the roller coaster with. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to ride with that. <laughs> like that was my natural. And, and to be clear, towards that. this person that you're gravitating towards is a digital artificial character. It's a bunny. Yeah, it's a, it's a punk rock bunny. <laughs> <But> they, <laughs> that's a great dress. A little like David Bowie. But there's and she had her birthday and she was super happy that I got her like a birthday present. Yeah. Like, it was really what? Stuff like that. But there's like no human like it's, this isn't somebody that came to visit your island. This is like no. total computer. No, it's in the computer. Yeah. So wh what is it about an inanimate object that causes those feelings of attachment? Because um, I think well, there's I, something I mean, there. To, you know? Yeah, I think to me it's the it's the real relational aspect of it. And again, I didn't really 
come to terms with that until recently, and it, and it really didn't come out until I was just explaining it right then how def- how defined that is. But uh, particularly in terms of uh, my role as a pastor and my experience as a pastor is that I noticed I, I have often noticed the people who pull away and that sometimes pull away because they would rather be alone and so i'll just kind of check in but then give them their space and sometimes people pull away because they don't want to get rejected but they do want to be included and so uh especially i learned really early on as a youth director is that you don't get your job is not to be friends with the cool kids even though they're really fun to be friends with and you should be friends with everybody so like you want to be friendly with everybody but if you go to like a amusement park or something the kid who is the most fun to spend their the day with is not who you're paid to be there for yeah because that kid is going to have fun with anybody uh the kid that your job is to be there for is the kid that nobody wants to ride with and so fine and the other thing too is like if you've made relationships with all these people maybe the cool kids will also start hanging around with you and this other kid who nobody wants to hang around with. so you make those connections but that you you lo- kind of look at the larger landscape of how this community is interacting and try to find the people who are not able to find their way in and you're gravitating towards them and so that's the character of Mina on my island is she likes being <laughs> on this island but she doesn't know how to engage with people and so she just is often just sitting under a tree and so every day I'll just go by and and she's always kind of like pushy at first she's like what do you want to talk about man why are you talking to me yeah but then she's like actually it is kind of nice to talk thanks for talking to me <laughs> like so <laughs> the the for such a simple game there is uh, some real nuance to the relational aspects of how these characters interact and what the game is really um, it's leading you towards it's not it's not mm-hmm. pushing you towards reading into why this is the zeitgeist of the time or at least it was during the pandemic mm-hmm. and hearing Tyler say something like here's this inanimate digital person yeah that that human nature is such that it develops that he has to have a relationship with it. And that's, I totally get that. You know, again, not just as pastors, but people. Yeah. And yet I'm looking around, especially now in the, in the American response to the pandemic and mm-hmm. our just total refusal on some levels to value and build relationship with the other. Like, it feels like the game points out what our natural instinct is and we keep running away from it in real life when our own personal interests yeah. are at stake you know yeah well because there, yeah i don't know what to do so with much, that but there's there's so much more at stake if you do it in person as a, or like in real life as opposed to just in a video game um yeah that's fair in a way where like i i don't necessarily think that because there's more at stake we shouldn't do stuff like reach out to people but like there's there are a lot more implications of making the choice to reach out to somebody who is a little bit more isolated or making the choice to like give a lot of money to a friend of yours uh just because they need it or a lot like there's there's a lot more at stake in in just like not being selfish even Mm -hmm. um where yeah, I, I don't know if I think that, oh, that means that we should be selfish in real life because there are, <laughs> you know, so many consequences potentially of like, if you're too nice to people and they're not nice enough to you, then you're not, you're going to get screwed over. Um, like, no, that's a bad way to li- live your life. But it's a reality for a lot of people. Yeah, well, it, it is. And it's just, it's so weird to me. I mean, I guess 
I, maybe it's a survivor mentality mm-hmm. or something like that. But like even down to like you're talking about giving money away and, and things like that. I'm even down to just the wearing of masks no, during yes, COVID. Absolutely. And that seems a bridge too far for some people, uh, you know. So again, it just feels weird that we're celebrating on one hand this game that celebrates and rewards relationships and looking out yeah. for the other, while in our real life we're like, don't impede, don't impede on my freedoms. <laughs> well, and also in the real world, it shows the cost of that. Like the cost of that of individualism and putting the self ahead of the community. I mean, this American ideal of my success is the most important thing. Yeah, yields pandemic mm-hmm. and the it's uh, literally the making ideal us sick. Of, yeah, the ideal of care for the people who everybody else is ignoring. Mm-hmm. Um, that really, at its at its heart, Animal Crossing is kind of pushing you towards that. Or at least encouraging that, because yeah. you could not play like that and still be fine in the game. You could only talk to the outgoing people and you'd be all right. Um, but it does require some level of community. Engage the community at the level that you're comfortable with. If you only want to talk to the people who talk to you first, the game is still fine. Um, but if you want to talk, like reach out and find the people who you wouldn't see on a normal basis, the game is rewarding in a different way. Um, and I also... That, I feel like Tyler, your example with your family is really reflective of how how this could be extended to real life. Where if yeah, one of yeah. your kids did go through and pick all pick all of the resources off of the island, um, like theoretically, if you wanted to, you could go and visit your friends' islands and ask your friends for help and ask your friends to give you stuff. Yep. Your kids can't do that because your kids have kids profiles that Nintendo doesn't let them yep. connect with friends in the same way that it Thankfully, lets you. Yeah, I really. Yeah, I no, and that. and I think that that's a good thing. But that means that like. Yeah. Your other two kids, if they didn't get at something that day, like they won't necessarily have anywhere near as much access to resources. And so you have yeah. developed this relationship of, yes, we all agree that this is something that we all kind of deserve and want equally. And we even made a thing which the kids like took to right away is what we said, depending on who, if you go first, you need to leave something in front of the house of the next person who's playing. Uh, so mm. just like if you find something like even if it's just a shell or something like just leave something for them and that became just a regular practice that we're constantly giving each other gifts and the game encourages that and stuff like that but um the times that i have been able to visit other people's islands i come home with a bevy of things and i just distribute them among the kids like i take some things that i need but the extra stuff um i give to them and so they we've kind of th- there is a communal sense of how we're playing even that mm-hmm. it's not we're not competing it's not a competitive game yeah um, and I think that that's what's so fun about it is that it really it's a it's a sandbox um, yeah to, to use the vernacular of, of, uh, of video games is that there are these sandbox games that don't really have boundaries one of the things we talked about the first time we did this episode um, <laughs> that I'm, rem- I'm remembering two things so I'm gonna make two different points uh, but one was uh, the way in which we approach video games like uh, a lot of times um, when I first start a game, I'll try to break it. Uh, not literally <laughs> like break the game, but figure out where the limits are. And that was really easy with the old Nintendo games. So you can figure it like Mario, you realize real quick, oh, I can go forward, but I can't go back. Like Mario, uh, Super Mario Brothers. Once you move to the right of the screen, uh, you cannot go back. And that was the, the craziest thing about Super Mario um, 
three, I think, was the first yeah. one that you could actually go back in the other direction. I remember it blew my mind. Uh, <laughs> and it, but you know where the rails are. Um, yeah. That it's it's uh, lining you up. If you particularly, I, I always think of um, uh, like Pirates of the Caribbean or a ride like that at a at an amusement park where it's a, a boat ride, but it's actually on rails. Like it, it's literally it's a roller coaster through water. So it may feel like you're actually going somewhere, but the, the ride itself is ensuring that you stay in the same spot. Or even like, remember the turnpike at the uh, Kennywood? Yeah. 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 Like where you, you had some control, but not but there really. Was, yeah. You couldn't really, t- you could go back and forth, but there was a bar, there was a rail in the middle that kept you there. And that's, I'm always trying to find the walls, almost like um, in a dark room, like trying to find out what the boundaries are. And as games have gotten more, big and bold it becomes harder to find the edges and in some ways i think that's uh um it's overwhelming but it's more exciting because Mm -hmm. there are still limits to games but they they're some of these bigger games like animal crossing where it it has a it's kind of pushing you towards something but you don't know what the end is like what is the whole goal of this game and the end the answer is the goal of the game is to have fun it's not to beat the big boss at the end or something like that and uh, one of the things we talked about before was I, I love the Zelda series. That's probably my favorite game series of all time. Mm-hmm. And the newest Zelda game, I still have only put maybe 10 hours into it. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, how many hours have you put into it? I think I've put about 200. Okay. So yeah. that's the, just to, so if, if someone was listening, we're like 10 hours of video game, man, that's a lot of time. Nope. That's not. And Which you, also, what percentage of the have you beaten will, it? You haven't beat, you beat it. I have not yeah. beaten Zelda. Well, so I, I have beaten <laughs> Ganon, but I have not beaten Zelda because those are two different things. I will also so the, say... And this is Breath of the Wild. Yeah. yeah. I will also say Animal Crossing. I think I've logged over 500 hours now. Um, nice. In terms of... Yes. So that's, that's a... That's a quarantine grad student right there. Is that that is. absolutely <laughs> is. <laughs> but what, so one, one of my favorite things about the newest Zelda game, the Breath of the Wild, is that I spent the first time I played it, I was just at a friend's house and it was on vacation a couple years ago. Uh, so we were at the beach house. We just had the time anyway. I played for like four hours and did nothing but run around and try to find the edges. Try to mm-hmm. so basically, especially a game like that where like you fall off a cliff, it'll just put you back where you were. Um, yeah. So I would just go find like what do you what does this game not want me to do? And like once I figure that out, then I can figure out what it does want me to do. And the 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 fun thing about some of these games now is that they it's not as clear as like go to the right like the mario it you play mario brothers you just put it in anybody's hand it's very clear what this game is trying to get to get you to do you just need mm-hmm. to get to the right keep going right until you can't go anymore and then you won like you have beaten yeah. that level uh the newer games particularly breath of the wild and some of these big sandbox games is that you can walk around for hours and accomplish nothing in the game and just explore um, and on some level, it can be frustrating because you don't know. Uh, sometimes it's not as clear what you're supposed to be doing, but it encourages that level of creativity and exploration. And in the Zelda game, there is a guy that's constantly showing up that if you go talk to him, he's like, have you done the thing I told you to do yet? And then yeah. it becomes clear like, oh, this is the guy who is going to guide me, but he's not going to bother me unless I go and talk to him. Mm-hmm. I can just spend all my time goofing around and picking apples and lighting them on fire, which is what I did forever. Um, <laughs> and then throwing them at things like, uh, but he, just there like are... my independence study. <laughs> <laughs> but the nice thing about that is that they're like, once you find the people who can help you in that game, you just know that, um, 
whenever I need help, I just need to find that guy and he's going to remind me of what I'm supposed to be doing and guide me and give me some hints about how to do it. And that the life lesson in that was even great too. And so one of the things that I loved about Zelda was that, and I still love about Zelda is, is similar to Animal Crossing, but even more so it's just this place um, uh, where there is some freedom and freedom to explore and you don't have to be right all the time. Um, but there's beauty and contemplative stuff in this. And one of the things that we talked about last time, um, for you, Jay, in particular, that during what was, so you were saying how you haven't played Animal Crossing, you haven't played Zelda, but you have played something during quarantine and oh, made man. some pretty impressive uh, accomplishments. Yeah, I. Uh, this is part of why, the other reason I haven't bought a Switch is because this is the conundrum Nintendo always puts me in. I love the hockey game. Mm-hmm. your uh, classic EA sports and Nintendo just doesn't want to touch those for some reason but I, I at the time of recording and I think I, I've kind of stopped playing it since but in quarantine I played NHL hockey on the easiest level conceivable <laughs> uh, and won the Stanley Cup three times back to back to back with the Pittsburgh Penguins and it just felt good to accomplish something <laughs> at all uh, in those early COVID days how many days. games is that then to beat the Stanley Cup three times it's an 82-game season, and then you have to win 16 to get the cup. And I so lost that's a couple. Four thousand games? So. Is that what that is? Four thousand? Yeah, so, let's go with that. Math. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. <laughs> My math's a little shaky there, but uh, yeah, yeah. But again, it was just, and it, I think we even asked the last time on the practice pod um, why easy. Like I have no interest in making that a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and even at easy, it's not a it's not a given. It's just fun. No, no. Like it, you still have to play the game, right? And I lost a couple, you know, like here and there. But like, I just wanted something mindless to again, kind of that mindlessness that like I could sit there and do that and not think about work or the end of the world or whatever was you know fresh on mine. I think that, and and that was one of the things that came up last time too, where the. Um, in comparison to Animal Crossing, that there's a level of it's something that I can control, uh, and something that that, and not that I need to control things, but something when nothing makes sense, at least I can go back to this. It's like rewatching The West Wing or going back to the movies that we love or or things mm-hmm. like that. That this is something that I understand, and it's good to have those places where we're safe. And there's something safe about these video games where. Um, you may not win every game, but you're going to win 90% of the games because you've set it at a level that is just challenging enough. You could you could say, wow, this is an incredible waste of time, but it also is, there's therapy in that. Uh, in the same way that someone would say, like, meditation is just a waste of time. You're just sitting there doing nothing. Sure, but our brains need time to reprocess. We need, as we're dealing with the stress of everything, like COVID plus all of the other stuff that's going on in the world right now, we need somewhere we, where we can kind of escape for a moment and retreat. Uh, I mean, Jesus, one of the my favorite things about Jesus is that um, we often take these stories out of context. So we don't see how they fit together. And when they fit them together, they make even better stories. But uh, Jesus hears about the death of his cousin, John the Baptist, who is beheaded by Herod for the dumbest reason. Uh, which is no real reason <laughs> he was talking. So uh, Herod had married his brother's wife in a very Hamlet kind of situation. Uh, and John the Baptist was saying how terrible that was. And so Herod's wife had John the Baptist thrown in prison. And then at Herod's birthday party, he got drunk and he had his 
daughter come out and do a strip tease for everybody. And everybody loved it so much that he said in front of them, I'll give you anything you want in the whole kingdom. Oh, God. Uh, and his wife said, uh, told her, hey, get him to kill John the Baptist and bring his head on a platter. And uh, <sighs> she's like, okay, I don't know anything about this. And so she does that and he has to do that. So John the Baptist is killed for the, no reason. Uh, Jesus is told about it. Jesus is really sad and tries to go away to pray, but the people follow him. And that's when he does the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, so that that happens. And then Jesus goes away by himself to, to take time to mourn and to pray and to do all that. And then right, and that's when the disciples go across the, the sea on their own and Jesus catches up to them by walking on the water. So all these things fit together, but it fits into this context that even Jesus needs time to get away. Now that time, in the midst of that, he still is present enough with people that he cares for them. Like he needs his time, but then these people come to him saying, Jesus, teach us stuff. And he's like, okay, I'll give you some time. Like that there is that in terms of ministry that we do, we can't just check out. But even when we can't check out, we do need to make sure that we have time for Sabbath, for rest, for video games, uh, for ways in which we can just step away from the stress of these situations that don't make any sense, like the death of John the Baptist in this situation, and just be in a world that does make sense even for a little bit, even if it's 400 hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, not, and to that point, you know, you mentioned were you watching the West Wing and, and Rachel, I couldn't see your face, but the, the sigh when you, when you <laughs> said everything else that's going on right now. Right. Like I, 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 this is a thing, like people write about it in the news. Like I keep waking up in the middle of the night for no con- discernible reason. Um, and last night was one. I was up at two thirty in the morning and just like awake, which is the worst. Um, and I tried a whole bunch of things to get myself to go back to bed. And the only thing that worked, I put the West Wing on and immediately fell asleep because my brain did what so much of what we're talking about, right? Like this is familiar. I get it. It's not challenging. I don't have to think about everything my brain wants to think about, but I can also let it latch on to something and fall asleep. All that's to say, like, for as much as people, I think a by lot the, of people in the, by the by, uh, <laughs> we did kind of switch somewhere in there. Yeah, we did. That, that I, I became the all that is to say guy. Uh, but all that is to say, like, I think there are so many people in the Christian subculture that the minute video games comes up, they go, oh, those violent video games, they're rotting your brain, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If this is in any way helping you get through the, the stuff of the, le- the recent season, go for it. Uh, you know, live into that. And, and this conversation obviously proves there's some good to be had from all of this. Like, there's a lot that it's doing in a positive direction for a whole bunch of people. Give yourself some grace to be okay with that, right? Like, yeah. I would say video games on the whole, especially now, are largely positive. Like, there, there's not a whole lot of video games. There are some that are just absolutely terrible that are about, like, making people suffer and stuff like that. But most of them aren't. Even the more violent video games do have some sort of purpose um, yeah. to their story and and the, the richness of the story. Like video games are movies now. Like you get a, a game like, and I think there's a lot of kind of nihilistic violence in a game like The Last of Us, but it's still, there's an enriching story that that's really a movie that you get to play. Uh, and there's a lot of stories that are like that. A lot of... Um, video games that go that way there's a um, Ghostbusters video game that's basically Ghostbusters 3 it has the original <laughs> cast uh, it's got everybody but Rick Moranis came back for it 
um, which is incredible. Even Harold Ramis was in it because they did it was the last thing he did before he died. Wow. Um, and it's it's a really uh, it's it's an okay video game, but it's a really it's a fun game to play. There's a there's a Back to the Future video game, which is effectively Back to the Future Part Four, like it and it is it's fantastic. Um, that and and it really is. You're just playing through. It's like a choose your own adventure movie, um, where you you don't really do a whole lot. Of, you just you have conversations with people, and then you get to res- like pick one of three responses, and you're you're watching this movie played out. Um, and it's great. Um, that kind of stuff, I think, video games can be really, really um, positive. They're really great opportunities for creativity. Just like everything, there's good and bad to them, like movies and TV and books and music and everything. Um, but by and large, it's a medium that's not just playing for, like, with dots with pixels for kids. Like, it is storytelling. It is, and it is. Um, empathy like these two games are i i'm also thinking specifically about violent video games which Mm -hmm. i i have never really had much interest in i remember back in high school i like went and tried out halo and i was bored by it um yeah nothing goes on i i was bored by it but like i'm (laughs) i do have some friends who are very into various violent video games and for them it partially is similar to animal crossing actually a way that they hang out with people Um, Mm -hmm. where they'll play it with their friends online and they will sit with the headsets and they'll talk about other things and they're using it to connect. They're using it to learn how to strategize and think about like team building in a different way and various things. Like they're not thinking necessarily about the violence. And then I also, not to get on too much of a soapbox about violent video games and whether they're, you know, desensitizing people to violence, I think that if people want to be critical about the violence in video games, maybe they should actually be critical about other types of violence in our culture um, that are more problematic than video games, like, for example, um, the the actual literal military. The celebration of the military before every professional sports being yeah, how it becomes the, like a fifteen-minute propaganda. The amount of the taxes that I paid today going to yeah. the military, uh. Uh, but but no. So like, I think that if there's there's so little reason to be critical of violent video games, especially if you're not being critical of all the other stuff that are happening that are a lot more problematic and you know influencing and hurting a lot more people than video games are when there's so much else that's happening in violent video games than just the violence itself. Absolutely. I mean, in a game like Fortnite, it's a great example of that. Yeah. Where, like, Fortnite is inherently just a violent, cartoonish game, which some people complain. It's even worse because it's cartoonish. Like, some of these violent, like, Call of Duty is, like, very viscerally real and gross, but uh, Fortnite makes it fun to kill people. But also, Fortnite is a community. Fortnite is, like, we don't let our kids play Fortnite just because it becomes a compulsive, obsessive thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't inherently have a problem with Fortnite. Again, not because I think it's inherently violent, but just because I think it becomes obsessive. And um, I, I think that that's, that's the risk of any of this media, is that if we become so focused on the media rather than the community that it brings us to, then it becomes a problem. There was one other game that I want to talk about real quick because it was really important that we talked about a lot in the last one and we haven't brought it up. This mm. game called Undertale. Mm-hmm. So Undertale is this really, really simple game. It's this. It was made maybe four years ago, uh, maybe even less than that. And But it's, it's a retro game in that it's all animated in this kind of 16-bit, uh, very uh, Super Nintendo kind of feel to it. 
and it's largely uh, it's polychromatic but barely like it's it's mainly black and white with some mm-hmm. some color thrown in there and it's a game that that kind of plays like a normal game that you would expect from that kind of system where you're put in this fantasy place and then you have to battle people all the time and you don't realize until speaking of rails and speaking of a game trying to push you in a certain direction you don't realize until a little bit way through the game that the game doesn't actually it rewards you for not killing people even though it's constantly putting you in a situation to kill these monsters or things but that the game is pushing you towards pacifism which is really really neat um and it rewards that and the whole the whole idea of um of not killing people is how you win the game and it ends up that that in the end of it there's three different endings to the game one is where you have played the normal way and you've killed everybody uh, and you get a different ending. Another is where you killed some people, like you learned halfway through to be better. And then the third way is that you played pacifist all the way. Basically you had to restart (laughs) and learn to not hurt anybody, which is harder, but it, it gives you the actual ending to the game. And there's a beauty in that, that, that as my kids played it, I didn't. I kind of knew that going into it, but I didn't tell them about it because I I didn't know that about it. They just said, "Hey, can we get this game Undertale?" I read about it and then learned like, "Oh, this is kind of interesting." And so I I kind of <laughs> as an experiment just let them play it out, and it was funny watching how long. Like my daughter, it took her the longest to not kill people. She was always just like straight up, <laughs> "I'm just gonna kill everybody," and I and I even kind of at one point I was like, huh? "She's like, man, I just can't kill this guy." She's like, "Maybe if you just tried run away, maybe you don't need to kill him." She's like, "But I feel like I need to." <laughs> and, uh, and, and slowly, again, the, the rails come into play and the other characters kind of make it clear, like probably maybe what if you tried not killing them? And in every battle you're in, you have an option to uh, to run, to fight, or to like try to reason with the people. And mm-hmm. I think my youngest figured it out the fastest that, oh, oh we just need to not kill people. Um, and and even something like that, it's this simple little fun game that that is not impressive graphically or anything like that. It does have a beautiful soundtrack that this kind of eight bit soundtrack, uh, it's got this ultimately beautiful story. Um, but it subtly kind of is teaching you a lesson more so than even a lot of video games are where at the end you can tell like, Oh, they had a point to this. Yeah. Um, and it really, in some ways kind of becomes a critique on the violence of video games and uh, on the, just the general desensitized. We come to just like the Mario level of like everyone in front of me must be killed. Like that, that is, I'm just going to yeah. step on everybody until I get to, to rescue this princess. But everybody in my way is going to get shot with a fireball or knocked off a cliff. Um, and this is a game to kind of say like, not to say like, that's evil that you've done that, but just to say, why do we do that? What if we thought about this mushroom as, as someone who has feelings? Yeah. I think that's when, when you think about things, when, when you unthinkingly approach anything, it's a problem. Um, but even like, so my boys, I said this in the last podcast too, and now they're better than me. Um, <laughs> but my boys have been playing the original Sonic the Hedgehog games on my uh, Apple TV. And they they weren't as concerned about killing the bad guys until they realized that actually killing the bad guys in Sonic is liberating the animals that are inside them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh no, I need to get all those. Yeah. Because I'm now, I'm not it's killing now emancipating. Anybody. Yeah. Right. That was I remember playing the first the, when I played that Sonic game. That was one of the first features where it felt like I hadn't realized how many people I'd been killing until Sonic pointed out that I wasn't actually killing them. And I thought, yeah. oh well, I'm setting all these people free. So what was I doing in Mario? I was just yeah. killing them all and, and hurling their bodies at each other. <laughs> 
Well, if you would like to Venmo Jay some cash to get Animal <laughs> Crossing on the Nintendo Switch, please look me up on online. His Venmo name is Tyler Domsky. <laughs> I don't know why it's my name, but just yeah, send him money. I just T-Y-L-E-R-D-O-M-S-K-E. really appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel, you got anything you want to plug these days? Anything going on? I can't think of anything. I don't know. What's the last thing you watched? Uh, mm. Oh, God. I So I've been watching through Oscar Isaac's filmography because, you know, sometimes yeah. you got to... You gotta. Um, gotta love the Oscar Isaac. I, I truly, truly do. Um, so I watched a very mediocre movie last night called In Secret that he's in with Elizabeth Olsen and Jessica Lange. He's in a surprising amount of like okay movies. Yeah. And yeah. some <laughs> really amazing ones like a Sucker Punch, I think it's called, that came out in 2011. <laughs> I was going to say he's in a bunch of great movies and then some okay movies and then Sucker Punch. <laughs> Rachel and I have had long discussions about how I think Sucker Punch is one of the worst movies ever made, and she thinks it's an existential masterpiece. Not not to be totally obnoxious about it, but I genuinely was thinking about it while we were talking about violence, yeah. um, and and thinking about the fact that hmm, maybe it means something as a critique of like the violence that we see in movies that they use it as a metaphor for sexual assault, perhaps. Yeah, um, it's a. It would be great if they had pulled that off, but they just fail so miserably. At that. Uh, alternatively, it's a movie that's, yeah, it's women can be sexualized on screen without being sexualized. That's all I'll say. That's that's my opinion about it. I'm sure that that's possible. I don't think that that happens. <laughs> Well, I've been Jay. Yeah, that movie has I'm, I'm so sorry, Jay. I just have a lot of feelings about that movie. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Don't watch that. If you want to see a good Oscar Isaac movie, watch Ex Machina. That's that's what I'll say about my recent watching. Also, watch Inside Lewin Davis. That's just a great mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac on screen every minute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jay, what's the last thing you watched? Uh, so last night, Sarah and I continued our... We've been going through, uh, because of Hamilton... Uh, which again is unquestionably great. Uh, there was a series the History Channel did a while back on. It was called oh, the yeah. Ultimate mm-hmm. Guide to the Presidents, uh, and it's it's a whole bunch of nerdy history professors. No <laughs> offense, Tyler, uh, talking through the history of the presidency uh, from Washington to Obama. They didn't quite get to Trump. It is. I was shocked to discover free on YouTube right now. <laughs> uh, so you you yourself could go watch the Ultimate Guide to the Presidents. But I, Sarah laughed out loud last night. They were talking about Grover Cleveland and whoever Grover Cleveland beat that particular year. And they said it was the most hate-filled, divisive uh, campaign for the presidency in American <laughs> history. And knowing that they'd made the series uh, during the Obama administration, yeah. I went, give it time. Give it time. Uh, we, yeah, we're, we we're great at beating our own record. Uh, we can and we will. <laughs> What started me on this whole thing, because you know now we're now we're just really <laughs> off topic. But what started me on the whole thing was in Hamilton, and I looked at Sarah and said, "If Washington hadn't done what Washington did, mm-hmm. I don't think we would have made it as a nation to willingly lay aside yeah. power after two terms." And like, you know what? I'm out. Um, I don't think we made it. And that's I'm going to tease the we need to do the theology yeah. oh, of yeah. statues oh. at some point. Um, until, I'm going to tease that at the yeah. end of every episode <laughs> until we actually do it. Uh, but no, recognizing that all these people are flawed people uh, and nobody's perfect. Like there are some people that did some re- remarkable things with that office. Uh, well, I've been Jay. <laughs> <laughs>
didn't, yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. how to end this. So episode. video games. Uh, that's all. Video oh yeah, games. Twitter. Tell us. Tell us. Uh, tell us what you do. What what's a what's something that you can do to to relax? Something that that actually kind of heals your soul. That may seem kind of silly from the outset. Um, it could be puzzles. It could be like some extracurricular thing that some people may say is a waste of time. Uh, for some people, it's running. For me, it's definitely not that. Um, yeah, but uh, um, it, that it's it doesn't just have to be video games. And if it is video games, what's a game that you that you like that that really kind of fills you up? Okay. Hi. And I've been Tyler. I've been Rachel. I've been Jay. And this has been. Roughing the past there. We did it. Bye-bye.